Welcome to Schneider Electric's The Good, The Bad and The Beautiful Podcast. Every month, you will be joined by me, Carmel, me, Emma, and me, Rob, who will talk about real experiences from real people with some special guests along the way. Don't forget to share, like, and subscribe. Hello! So we've got a humdinger of an episode for you guys today. We will be sharing our latest well-being habits and also some tips on how we can all save some money on those crazy bills that we're getting through our doors or online. Our hot topic, though, of this episode is menopause and premenopause. And we will be speaking to our amazing colleague Maeve about her inspiring journey, the good, the bad and the ugly. But before that, Emma Rob, how are you? I'm good. I am good. Slightly stressed. I'm in the middle of an extension on my house and you can just imagine it's pure chaos. So external walls are being knocked down. I've never seen so much dust in all my life. It's crazy. It's fun at the same time. Obviously, the end goal is going to be amazing. But yeah, in the thick of it at the minute. So I'm just trying to lap up every fun moment um, being all those bank holidays we've had. So I've just been lapping up all the the family time, really, um, and making the most of that. Sounds awesome. So if I was going to summarise, I'd use one word, and that word would be sore. So I decided to (laughs) sign up for a half marathon later this year. And I'm going to call it training. People might argue with that. I'm, you know, I struggle to do a kilometre even so far. But yeah, the recovery times are still hard work at the moment. So I wake up every morning quite sore right now. God, good God. for you, Rob. Yeah, Thanks. Good for you. Good After an embarrassing trouser split incident, it felt like the right time. Oh, that's an interesting story. <laughs> that's all you're going to get from me. Oh, uh, fine, fine. Okay. Right. No more on that. I did a barbecue, by the way. And I'm saying that because it's my first barbecue of the year. I smashed the chicken wings, not going to lie, smashed them, and the potato salad. Like, I don't know if you guys are potato salad people, but Mm. it's all about the potato. Emma? No, no. sorry. You know what, Emma? You haven't tasted my potato salad. So last time we were together, I think there were some new habits that were being formed, weren't they? We were trying to kick them off. By the way, I completely changed mine. So, Rob, I'm coming to join you. I started running about three days ago. Don't ask me how long I did it for. It was about 25 minutes and my thighs are absolutely killing. And yoga. So I stretch afterwards with yoga, yoga with Adrian. How about you? I mean, on top of the running, the reading has gone AWOL. I'll be honest. <laughs> I can only seem to focus on one thing at a time. So yeah, I'm I'm with you in camp running at the moment. And I guess just trying to get on top of university work is the other thing that I do for my well-being. But that's probably a conversation for another day. So I will not be joining camp running ever again Good. after Good. attempting that last summer. I was absolutely useless and I know now that's not for me. Just like Rob, I have well and truly failed at the reading habit. It had every good intention, but I just don't know. I can't get into it at the moment. I have bought a new book to try again, I think like third or fourth attempt. So I will let you know on the next episode. But I am still sticking with boxing. So I'm still doing that. Yeah, loving it. I actually think I am getting better at it. 
I'm really enjoying that and I hope to, to keep that up really. It's very good for my mental well-being and also my physical fitness. So that's something that I hope to continue into the future. And when are you fighting Fury? Oh gosh, oh, of course. <laughs> I'll bring him out of retirement. <laughs> right, guys. Next topic is bills, bills, bills. So Ugh. it's, you know, it's going to happen. Rising cost of living. Let's <laughs> talk about this. You know, what? What can we do? Like, you know, it's bad when even Martin Lewis, money saving market, says he can't help us. But seriously, though, it's pretty sad because I was reading up on this and actually stats have shown that due to these, you know, bill hikes, fuel poverty, which is basically unable to afford to keep your home adequately heated for yourself to keep warm for you and your families and stuff. That's going to reach like 40 percent by this October. That is insane. Like Absolutely insane. Yeah, I know, you know, we can't do it all, but. I don't know, have you heard of anything that we can kind of do just to save? So clearly this topic would be perfect for me to plug my day job, but we're not going to do that. Why is that? <laughs> <laughs> so one thing that I've been reading about is vampire devices or the idea of vampire devices. And, you know, I've seen it in newspapers lately. So these are all your appliances that sit on standby and continue to use energy. I'm assuming most people know about this. If you don't know about it, I'm helping you save a few pence, right? So the savings here aren't drastic, but when you feel the pinch, everything makes a difference. So if you've got your TV on at home, your printer, your smart speakers, or actually even your phone charge, and they're sitting there, they're they're on at the plug. You're not using them, but they're on at the plug, so they're on standby. Even just switching them off at the wall over the year, all these, you know, contribute to, to savings when you start to add it all up. Gosh, I have everything plugged in and not switched off at the plug. I'm probably the worst yeah I'm probably the worst for that actually you know you have so much plugged in everywhere I think I would take forever to go around doing it but now you've said that I will make a conscious effort because it is crazy what's happening with the bills at the moment and just the cost of living in generals but yeah I think that's quite a a simple tip for people to help just not your fridge freezer no (laughs) Just in case. Oh, Rob. So I do think it's all about behaviours. So I've been doing some research about it too, day job and all that. So, and I think it's quite common. I don't know how many of you do this, but, you know, having the heating on and then, like, oh my God, it's too hot in here. It's a bit stuffy. Let me crack open that window. Man, that is going to increase your bills by a lot. And I know that, you know, it can get stuffy and stuff, but I think there has to be a way around that, right? Because these bills are not getting any lower by doing things like that. I think it's understanding how much it would increase your bills by and things like that and looking into that. Yeah, I have that constant battle at home. (laughs) To be honest, it's not about the bills, but I can't bear being cold. So basically, I have the heating on and my partner always comes in and opens up a window. He says, you know, you need to have fresh air circulating. And I'm worried about the cold air coming in and me getting cold again. But to be fair, like you said, with the bills, what's the point in heating your house and then opening up a window and letting all of that that heat out? It's then just going to pull on the heating system again to bring it up to the correct temperature. So small things like that or, you know, going out your front door and leaving it open while you get something out the car, for example, and letting all of that heat out again. Those sort of little things and leaving your lights switched on upstairs whilst you're sitting downstairs are all things on my list that I'm trying to do better. Yeah, really hard not to plug the day job. You just, it's killing me. I'm having to bite my tongue here. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, jumper first is the rule in my house. 
That's what I get as well. I'm not allowed to turn the heating on. It's a pretty jumper on love. I'm like, all right. Let me move on to our main topic of the day, which is menopause. Rob, Emma, do you have any background knowledge, anything you want to share? I'm going to hold my hands up here, right? And I'm going to admit that other than seeing menopause being mentioned as the change on TV in jest, I'm clueless on this topic. I considered doing some research, but I thought, no, let's be genuine. Let's be honest. Let's use this as a good learning experience because that's what we're here for, right? Yeah, I'm the same as Rob, really. I have very, very limited knowledge in this space. So again, looking to learn and and educate myself from this episode, really. Yeah, I think for me as well, I think one is about learning, but I think, you know, I don't know, I'm becoming more and more aware about it because of my age and stuff like that. And I feel like I am going through the change. But obviously, you know, Dr. Maeve will help me out here with her advice and everything like that. <laughs> I like that. Dr. May. Let's <laughs> that's and it, that's that your note, new title. The new, the new official title. <laughs> Emma, you want to do the honours? <laughs> yes. So on that note, I'd like to introduce you all to our very own Dr. Maeve. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to introduce yourself and just, you know, give us a bit of an insight into who you are? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So I guess the first thing I really ought to say at the beginning of this is I am definitely not a doctor. So so I cannot give medical advice, but I guess I can talk about my experience and what I've learned since. But my name is May, obviously. I am 47, which I wouldn't normally necessarily feel the need to share, but I think it's relevant to the young age, I guess, at which women can start being affected by the topic that we're, we're going to talk about here. So I work for the Secure Power business. I am the European Programme Director, so I'm responsible for our partner programme, Strategy and Execution, across Europe. I started with APC in 1998. So I have been with APC and Schneider for a very, very long time. And I guess the last couple of years, I've obviously not only had a focus on my career and the job at hand, but also on the topic we're going to talk about now. And I think when I finish my career, all of this, including, you know, things like the podcast and growing kind of knowledge and and making menopause a, a topic of normal conversation will probably be the thing that I am proudest of, of my whole Schneider career, as it turns out. So what started negative has ended up being pretty positive. And I'm excited to be here to talk to you guys. We're excited to have you. Thank you, Maeve. So, you know, let's get right to the point then. For all of us here today and for our listeners and people like Rob, who aren't fully clued up about menopause, could you just explain to us what it really means? Yes, I can. So I say, I'm not a doctor. So uh, I'll give you the kind of <laughs> regurgitated facts about menopause. Menopause literally means when your periods stop. So meno refers to your menstrual cycle and pause obviously refers to that cycle stopping. So medically, the definition of being menopausal is when you have not had a period for a year, so a full 12 months, and it's a result of your ovaries no longer producing eggs. And what happens when your ovaries stop producing eggs is that there are certain hormone levels that fall very, very hard and fast. So one is estrogen, One is progesterone and one is testosterone. If we look at the UK, the average age of a natural menopause is around 51. 
although obviously that can happen earlier for others. And there are conditions that will bring about what is called an early menopause. So those are things like if you have to have your ovaries removed for any reason, radiotherapy to your pelvic area, usually as a treatment for cancer, certain types of chemotherapy, any type of medical or surgical treatment for things like endometriosis can cause you to go into early menopause. There are some genetic factors that can cause that as well. And obviously, the other one is if you have to have a hysterectomy for any reason, that can, it doesn't always, but it can trigger an early menopause as well. So that's menopause in a nutshell. Great. So I think I'm still within my comfort zone at the moment. I think uh, I'm keeping up. I've understood everything so far. I think the age of menopause was quite a surprise to me. I think normally whenever I, you know, this comes up in conversation, I mean, I'll be honest, right? I don't think I've ever had a serious conversation on the topic. I think normally menopause comes up and people kind of make light of it or make a joke about it or refer to themselves as being old or something like that. And then you don't want to ask a follow-up question because you think, oh, I don't really know what to say. So I don't think I'd ever realised, you know, 51 would be the average age for someone to go through the menopause. Yeah, that shocked me actually a little bit. I honestly thought it was a hell of a lot older. I really did. I think what's interesting also is that other things can trigger it because I didn't Mm. realise that before. So, you know, I just thought, okay, we naturally go through that process. This is what's going to happen. But how other, yeah, things like that can can trigger and bring on early menopause and I think I think I was reading the other day that about like 13 million women in the UK are either peri or postmenopausal, which you know is a massive figure isn't it and especially for people that you know want to find out more about it etc it's, it's it's such a topic that we need to all learn from I think because it impacts everyone doesn't it you know not just that you're going through it but the, the family you know your families your friends etc the people that you work with and I think it says over 60% of women experience symptoms that result in behaviour changes. So. No, those those numbers are massive and pretty scary, actually, to be honest. And I think it's the realisation that that amount of women are going through this and just getting on with their lives because they have to. It's part of life, but actually it's very impactful, but they just soldier on. And, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned perimenopause because actually the first time I ever heard that term was this year. I'd never heard it before. I'd obviously heard menopause. And again, it's not something I've ever really spoken about. I I don't think it's been very much of an open topic, right? No one really talks about it at all. So to hear perimenopause, I was confused. What is that? And that's a question to you, Maeve. Is Is that another stage of menopause? Like, what is it? Just before we dive in, just to admit, I have no idea about this either, Emma. So I've never heard this until this conversation now. So... Yeah, so amazingly, although I've learned not so amazingly, as it turns out for a lot of women, I heard it for the first time only two years ago when symptoms started for me. So I had never heard of perimenopause either. But perimenopause is the period before menopause. And effectively, what's happened is all those hormones that I mentioned before start to fluctuate. So they go up, they go down. There's there's no kind of strict pattern to it. It's why you can't do blood tests for perimenopause because your bloods will show one thing one day and something literally the next day. But this imbalance of your hormones going up and down over a period of time are what lead to effectively symptoms of the menopause occurring. And for some people, those symptoms will happen for a few months 
before their periods stop completely. But for a lot of people, they'll actually experience the symptoms of menopause for months or years before their periods stop. And if you look at average timings, combined perimenopause and menopause can last for anything between seven and 14 years. Oh. I'll say that again, seven <laughs> wow. and wow. 14 years. So when you think about the fact that the average age of menopause is 51, you are talking about women all the way through their 40s and into their early and mid 50s. So what in this day and age, we would actually consider to be reasonably young women. Mm. So, yeah, so the onset of perimenopause, which was what happened to me, was very sudden, completely unexpected. And like you guys, and what was worse for me was that I had absolutely no idea what it was. So I didn't know what was happening at all. Yeah, so it just came out of the blue. Well, you know, you mentioned symptoms. So could you shed some light on what sort of things we're talking about here? Like what are the general symptoms and maybe just, you know, give us an insight into what you went through personally? So, you know, there are those classic symptoms that people think of when they think of menopause. So things like hot flushes and night sweats, but they're not always necessarily the the big symptoms that happen with perimenopause particularly. So some of the more common ones are things like finding it harder to concentrate, finding it hard to remember things, struggling to find the right words. So getting halfway through a sentence and knowing what you want to say, but just that word won't come. And that happens in general conversation, meetings. So loss of confidence and anxiety is a very common symptom. Definitely loss of interest and motivation, both at work and in kind of life in general and hobbies and things like that. Insomnia is a really big one and lots and lots of women suffer from insomnia. So which just leads to exhaustion, which then leads to anxiety. And, you know, so the cycle goes. And then there are physical ones. So I mentioned briefly like hot flushes and and night sweats, but muscle aches, joint pain, migraines, dizziness and nausea are also all very, very common symptoms of perimenopause that will often carry on into menopause as well. Mm, the hot flushes is the one everyone knows about right yeah is that's like the most common thing I think I've only that's probably the only symptom I've ever really known happens in menopause is oh I'm having a hot flush but I think that's also because it's been in mainstream media hasn't it you know people Mm -hmm. make jokes about it people you know you'll see it online you'll see it you know, on different TV shows, and stuff, but that's the only thing they focus on. They don't really mm-hmm. focus on anything else and talking about it as a serious topic. And I think yeah. that's what's key here, isn't it? Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. And I think that's what catches women out is the other symptoms I talked about are not what they were mm-hmm. expecting. And they are also classic symptoms of other things. So particularly yeah. things like depression and it's hard to actually comprehend the number of women who get put on antidepressants instead of being assessed for perimenopause or menopause and being treated with HRT. So antidepressants Mm -hmm. are often a go-to for GPs when women present with these types of symptoms. And of course, what antidepressants don't do is treat the actual problem. So it just becomes a longer and longer process. And also traumatic process, really, you know, getting misdiagnosed and and going on tablets that aren't actually doing anything and then having to then 
be reevaluated and actually find out what's wrong with you. It's it's such a tiring process anyway. And then when those misdiagnoses happen, it just must take a massive toll on a female's mental well-being as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. Just I'm curious here, as, as you know, someone who wouldn't go through this, if I'm aware you know, someone over 40 is is going through maybe a change in behaviours, they're struggling, maybe they're struggling more with their mental health, for example. Is it taboo for me to say, oh, are you sure it's that? Or could it be that? You know, do you do that? Yeah, I mean, I think everybody's different. Some people are more open to that conversation than others. From a personal experience, I wish someone had said to me, do you think it could be? Have Mm. you ever heard Mm. of perimenopause? Because... I wouldn't have gone through what I went through yeah. if I'd known what it actually was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what about you, Maeve? What about how did it all come about for you? Yeah. So like I said, it was quite a quick process. So I turned 45 relatively recently. So I, I, as far as I was concerned, I was quite young. And to me, menopause was something that happened in your 50s. So certainly wasn't on my, you know, my radar. And it was... 2020 so I'd I just moved back into Europe from a from a global role it'd take me some time to get back into Europe which is where I wanted to be and I'd managed to sort of get hold of a job that I had wanted to do for quite some time my daughter had just turned 11 and you know was getting more self-sufficient and for me it was kind of a bit of a reboot so I was where I wanted to be I was working with the people I wanted to be and thought actually now this is a time for me to focus a bit more on my career and look at how I sort of progressed and and moved on and then of course Covid hit so everything kind of changed overnight but for me that was a really good thing so we had to pivot the way we did business I was really busy I was learning a lot learning about new ways to do business it was something that really promoted digital transformation, which is key to the role that I have. So it kind of all felt really positive. And for me, I felt really confident. I was really looking for opportunities to kind of progress and and show what my capabilities were. So it was, it felt like quite exciting times. What I was also doing, like a lot of people through lockdown, was spending a lot more time outdoors. So my husband was at home, my daughter was homeschooling, and we were taking time out either in the day or at weekends to walk. Like a lot of people, there wasn't much else to do. So we were progressively going on longer and longer walks. We live in Norfolk, so it's absolutely beautiful countryside. We're really lucky. And that was kind of what we were doing to, I guess, alleviate the stress of everything that was was going on around us. And it was also the first sign for me that that something just wasn't quite right. And by the end of that summer of 2020, I actually was struggling to walk anything more than two or three miles. So my hips were really aching. I was struggling with my knees and my ankles. So all my joints were kind of starting to kind of push back against any type of exercise that I was doing. And I was also putting on a lot of weight and putting it on really fast. And that's kind of despite the fact that we were regularly walking kind of seven to nine miles, three, four times a week. So that was kind of the first sign that something wasn't quite right. And then it progressed really fast from there. So I would have said within about three or four weeks from me first noticing those kind of symptoms, I wasn't sleeping. So I was really struggling to get more than four, maybe five hours of sleep a night. And it wasn't solid. It was continuously broken and my memory starts to go so I was starting to kind of forget things 
mainly work related because, you know, that was where the majority of my time was. And as I mentioned, that symptom, my words started to go. So I'd say, can you pass me the, and glass would be gone, just completely gone. The thing with the wine in it, you know, I (laughs) I couldn't get those, those words, which was really strange. So your mind does funny things, right? It's very, very clever. Um, but it can also be very, very dangerous. And scary, right? That's scary. Would scary, be scary right? to me. It doesn't understand. So it, it creates, you know, it creates a story and a, and a reasoning behind it. And originally it was really around the weight. So because I wasn't walking and because I was putting on weight, my brain kind of figured that that was what was causing me not to sleep. And then the lack of sleep was causing this kind of brain fog. So that was the first thing that I thought. So, you know, it was really about how do I get back into more exercise? How do I lose the weight? What can I do to kind of try and sleep better? But by October time, my memory was absolutely shot. So I would have a meeting on Monday and by Tuesday, I couldn't remember anything that had happened in the meeting at all. I couldn't present. So if I wanted to present, I had to have word for word speaker notes, which Mm. was not something I'd ever had Mm. to do. And then as a result of all of that, I was missing. So I was missing tasks. I was missing deadlines. That put my anxiety through the roof because Mm. I wasn't performing at work and I didn't understand what was happening. Mm. And as my memory went more and more and as I struggled more and more to find the right words, my brain completely pivoted and decided that actually the most likely scenario was early onset dementia and actually if you google those symptoms that's actually what you get yeah that's that's what comes up on google and you know they say you should never google but (laughs) it's what we all do right all I could focus on was sort of my steadily declining mental health and my steadily declining ability to do very much at all actually at that point and because I was then worried about the fact that I had early onset dementia I was more anxious and the more anxious I got the less I slept and I think what was worse in hindsight was I didn't tell anybody so I didn't tell Mm. my husband I didn't just suffered in silence yeah Yeah, I didn't talk to anybody at work for obvious reasons about it and the other thing I didn't do is I didn't go and talk to a GP because what I did not want was a diagnosis so at that point, I guess by end of October, November, I was quite literally terrified. So I had convinced myself it was early onset dementia. I didn't want a doctor confirming that. I kind of was looking at what I thought was the end of my career. And you catastrophize. So the other thing that all I could think was, you know, my child is 11. I'm not going to know her by the time she's an adult. I won't know who she is. I won't remember who she is. I'll never see her get married. I'll never see her grow up. And it sounds really over-exaggerated, but but it is what your mind does. And when you are, your mental health is declining, when you're that anxious and when you're not sleeping, your brain kind of creates this worst case scenario. And it sounds really, really dramatic. But again, over the last two years, what I've realised is if you talk to a lot of women, almost any woman who has had undiagnosed 
perimenopause particularly, you'll get a really familiar story. And this is where things like antidepressants and, and things like this start to kick in. So by January, I guess, January of 2021, you know, I just, I wasn't, I wasn't coping at all. And actually the first thing I was looking at was how do I stop work? Because I couldn't, I, I knew I couldn't cope. I, I knew I wasn't doing my job to the ability that I should be able to do it. I felt like I was letting people down all the time. And I started to look at ways of getting out. You know, what can we do with our finances? How can we change our our lifestyle to be able to accommodate me no longer working and not having my salary? Could I manage something part time, possibly? You know, would I be able to do something like that? And all this, as all this was happening, I kind of just slipped out into the background at work. So I didn't put myself forward for anything. I did as little as I needed to do in order to be able to keep my job effectively. I didn't present unless I had to. I didn't feel confident talking in in meetings, you know, all of these types of things. So really, really kind of just exhausted and on my knees and not really sure what the next step was. And then Google was my friend. One day, there was one morning and I, you know, I sort of obsessively Googled over the month trying to find out what might be happening. And I managed to put all the symptoms in together, including the joint pain. And I think that was the thing that threw up an article about perimenopause. And it was like a sort of, it was that light bulb moment where I suddenly thought, okay, I think actually this could be what it is. Mm. I'd never heard of it. Mm. And, And it just, for me, it just changed everything you know and it was one day and it was a I think it was a Tuesday morning and I phoned a friend who I knew had gone through menopause quite early and had a conversation with her and she'd been through almost exactly the same experience she left a high profile job in London she didn't know either until afterwards and then I phoned my manager who was fantastic incredibly supportive you know took the time to listen to me talk to me gave me recommendations and suggested suggestions and also and it wasn't something I took him up on but also said take as much time out as you need to figure out your next steps to start to recover that's what you want to hear isn't it it's exactly yeah. what you want to hear and he was absolutely fantastic and then I phoned my GP so I think at about two o'clock in the afternoon and she had HRT in my hands by six o'clock that evening and she was incredible and she basically said you have what we call devastating symptoms and we need to start treating those first. And if we find out that this is not what it is, then we can take you off and it's not going to do you any harm. But that's the first thing we need to do. And actually just the relief of knowing what it was, was enough to kind of change the narrative in my brain and drop the anxiety very, very fast. And with the HRT, I'd have said within a week I was sleeping. And just those two things gave me enough kind of recovery to start building back up again. And then slowly the other symptoms started to fade. I still have problems with my memory, short-term memory, and I still struggle with words sometimes. But once you're sleeping, and I think more importantly, once you know what's going on with yourself, that's the most important thing. And that was kind of the day of, I guess, the start of my recovery. And I guess the start of the work that 
I've done with Schneider over the last kind of 18 months with this amazing group of women who I kind of got put in touch with or, or fell in touch with around just trying to make sure that no other woman in the business, and that's the only place I can influence, but no one else in the business kind of would ever have to go through what I went through or what any of these other women have been through without that kind of knowledge and and support that we managed to kind of find for ourselves. So, so that was sort of my six months, I guess, of the joy of perimenopause. Wow. I mean, just to start off, I mean, thank you so much for sharing that. I mean, it's for me, that's been so insightful and such an eye opener, you know, understanding that difficult situation that you've had to to work through. And, you know, I, I guess thinking about my question from earlier, now understanding the amount of confusion and uncertainty you had, you know, trying to figure things out, doubting yourself, all these kind of things. I mean, yeah, for me now, just understanding this myself as well, I think if you can sensitively just raise this as as food for thought to someone so maybe they get that google search right the first time and save them however many months of mm-hmm. confusion you should absolutely do it right so this this has been amazing for me thank you so much so obviously we spoke about google but sometimes google as we very well know is an ideal because it can be a bit scary and i've googled things in my past and i try to avoid because i definitely catastrophize after that but what other support is there for women i think there's a lot out there now particularly i think probably you guys have seen and certainly the business has seen is that there's been a this huge publicity boost around menopause over the last few years which has been really fantastic to see and it means that there are now a lot more kind of fantastic resources and more importantly communities for women out there so i'll give you some of kind of my favorites i guess you know, everybody likes to absorb information in different ways. But from a go-to perspective, there's a lady called Dr. Louise Newson, the menopause doctor. So she's where I would always go to for kind of any type of information. Meg Matthews. So she also did quite a lot of publicity about menopause um, a number of years ago. So she has a, a site called, I think, called Meg's Menopause. So again, lots of great resources and also good community as well. And then, of course, there's the Davina McCall documentary that was aired in the last 12 months. Again, well worth watching. And I think it kind of opened the eyes to a lot of people around not only the struggle women go through, but also a lot of the kind of myths and confusion around things like HRT, which have meant a lot of women have kind of struggled to get the medical help they need. And then within Schneider, so we have a women's health circle, which we run every month where we discuss menopause along with lots of other topics. Um, We have a Yammer page called Let's Talk Menopause. So again, where women can share information, share useful tidbits and also their own kind of experiences. And the potential of women's ERG group as well is a good point of resource. And they've also been hugely supportive of kind of everything that that we've been doing over the last year or so. And then coming soon. So I won't talk about it too much here, but we are working really hard to get an official package of tools in place in the business, working very closely with HR. So around things like policies and training specifically on menopause that'll give women in Schneider a lot more support and resources and hopefully we should see that coming through over the next few months. So that's great to hear that there's that external support but also to see what 
we're doing here at Schneider to help the women in our business and hopefully other companies are doing the same or you know can use us as some guidance to help support their females in their business so you know directly to the women out there going through this change what advice do you give them so the first thing i'd say and it's language that we all use is that we should call it by its name so it's menopause and i think it's really important to make that a really normal word and a really normal part of conversation and it shouldn't be taboo so i think talking about menopause as menopause and talking about perimenopause as perimenopause is is really important i think for women what i would say is it's information information and information it's about reading it's about asking it's about talking to others however old you are so i would say women from their 20s should start asking these questions what are the stages of of menopause i think women who have experienced menopause or are experiencing menopause at the moment should be really open particularly in talking to their daughters you know their sisters their friends about what's happening to them what to expect talk about the symptoms because they're so unknown and people don't relate them to perimenopause particularly and menopause and also about how to get the best help what's worked for you and i think sadly still that often means finding the best way to persuade your GP to take you seriously. So talk about how you did that. Talk about um, the conversations that you had. Download the Balance app. I didn't mention that before, but again, that's Louise Newson. But it tracks your symptoms and it's something that you can take to a GP to show where you might be in this process. And I think for, for others, so people who are working with or living with women going through perimenopause and menopause, it's just about being understanding and supportive. So it's a stage of life that every woman goes through. So that's 51% of the population are, are going to go through this at some point in their lives. It's manageable. It's definitely survivable. It just takes a little bit of time and patience. And some women will breeze through it without even realising it's happening. And some will struggle with really very serious symptoms for years. There, there, isn't a, there isn't a right way to do menopause. There isn't a single journey. Everyone's experience is different. There isn't a standard pattern. So I think it's kind of giving people time to figure out what they need to work through the journey and kind of just listening to what they're asking for and what their needs are and having those brave and open conversations. The more we talk about it, the more normal it becomes and the more normal it becomes, the easier it is for women and for those supporting women um, to experience it and to make the right decisions around it and to come out the other end to a new phase of life. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's so important, isn't it? Thanks, Maeve. I think Moving around from from the conversation, from where you started, from your personal journey, and then, you know, giving advice about where you can get more information, but also that whole, it is manageable, you know, there is support out there, and even just spreading the word of just saying this is normal, like calling it what it is, menopause, is just, oh, I think it's a really strong message. Yes, thank you so much, Maeve. Thank you for sharing such a personal story and your journey with us. I'm sure we on the call have definitely learned something. 
today. I 100% have and I'm sure Rob is no longer clueless. And, you know, hopefully to our listeners out there, they can take something away from this, whether they are potentially seeing some of these symptoms, whether they're going through it, whether they are supporting someone going through it, whether they've gone through it, you know, they can relate to your journey and your story and you've helped, I'm sure, lots and lots of people today. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much. Thank you. Right, so we all know what time it is. It is quiz time. I am handing over the crown to Rob. So, Rob, can you kick us off with some easy questions, please? I can kick off with questions, but uh, everyone, please take note as well. Due to my poor performances at answering questions, I've (laughs) now took responsibility for creating (laughs) questions this week. Uh, Is that why they're going to be super hard then? Trying to get us back? I don't think they're that hard. (laughs) They're going to be hard, Rob. Famous last words. Well, let's, let's give it a go then. So we've all been working from home a lot more since COVID, right? And what better way to celebrate is there than wearing pajamas to work day? So this happened on April 19th, 2022. So my question is, what percentage of people sleep in pajamas? Is it A, 40%, B, 50% or C, 60%? Can you define pajamas? Yeah, I mean, that's does what it I was like, say. Are they like, actually, you know, you buy them and they're labelled pajamas or you've made them your pajamas? Like, you know, like um, a set of old joggers and a T-shirt. Right. I'm going to I'm going to categorize like this right so oh natural underwear yeah. pajamas so if you've got like loungewear on I'm classing that as pajamas if you've got a t-shirt on I'm classing it as pajamas I've got a percentage here so I haven't clarified that detail that's just my understanding right was it was it 40 what was it so a 40% b 50% or c 60% a yeah, I was going to say A. I think they're quite high. Of course you were. I was. I was. I actually thought there'd be a lower percentage to go with, but they're still quite high in my opinion. So the answer is 40%. So yes. you were both correct. And uh, just over 20% of people sleep in their underwear and just under a third of people go au naturel. So my, my my final thought for this question was on April 19th when it was wear pyjamas to work day, I think there's probably a lot of webcams turned off that day considering the amount of people that choose not to wear pyjamas. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> this is right. true. So question two, we've had April Fool's Day recently, right? So first question, did anyone play any clever pranks? No, I didn't. I didn't no, I always forget. Yeah, I get too late in the I day mean, just, and then I've missed it. I just do them randomly throughout the year. So, you know, <laughs> I mean, Got April it. Fool's means nothing. November me. Fool's. <laughs> right. So I'm going to read out a couple of news headlines for you now. And you're going to have to tell me if they are true stories or if they were April Fool's news pranks. Oh, that's a good one. Okay. Yeah. So... Chocolate clothes take over Paris fashion show. Models in Paris took to the catwalk in clothes made completely from chocolate. A true or a false? True. False. Just because Emma said true. It's a true. Hey, I was <laughs> going to go for true as well. God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, article two. 
Listening to Ed Sheeran makes hens lay more eggs. A farmer has claimed that his hens lay better when listening to the songs of Egg Sheeran. <laughs> true or false? True. Yeah, I would say true. It's a true! Yay! <laughs> That's just weird. I wonder what song it is. And the last one we're going to go with is a new spider discovered in Australia is named Brian. Australia's most newly discovered spider surfs, swims, and can catch prey up to three times its own size, and they've called it Brian. True oh, or false? Stop it. That can't be real. I feel like, I want to say false, but I feel like you're going to say this is true. So what are you going for? True. The M is true. Did you say false, Carmel? Mm-hmm. It's true. Oh, are you joking? I, I just thought it. No, I'm sorry. Where are you getting these facts from? I'm going to fact check them. I'm not even Do like, it. show me oh, the evidence. But that, that, that was my own little prank because they were all true. So, nah. <laughs> <laughs> Right. And then the last question, bit of a memory test from our conversation earlier on with, with Maeve. So I didn't do any research on menopause, as I explained earlier, except for this one factoid, which we did discuss. So no pressure. So what is the average age of a woman to reach menopause in 51. the UK? Was it? Oh, sorry. Yeah. So I'm multiple choice. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, eager beaver. I know. Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do, Emma, because because you, you've pretty much won it anyway. I'm going to give Carmel the point for that purely because I was impressed on her on her speed, so she can have, have one there. But that means we've got four points for Emma, oh. three points for Carmel. Emma is this week's winner. Yeah! yeah. Well done, Emma. Well done. It's that sad time now. Okay, well, we are going to have to go again, guys. It is time to say goodbye. But as usual, if you have any questions, feedback, or just want to suggest some topics for our next episode, please send them to the GBB at se.com. And you can find us on blog.se.com, Spotify, Apple, and your favorite podcast library. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And we'll see you next time. The content of this podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only. The information, statements, views and opinions belong to our hosts and should not be construed as advice by Schneider Electric.